Hello and welcome to the AdNug podcast, the podcast for the Adelaide.net user group. I'm your host, David Gardner. This is a recording from our August 2018 meeting, Visual Studio Productivity for .NET Developers, with David Keane. In this demo-heavy session, Dave will demonstrate the many features we've added to Visual Studio 2017 since it first released to make .NET developers more productive. Improvements to editing, refactoring, debugging and testing your code which previously required additional extensions. Whether you're new to Visual Studio or have been using it for many years, you'll learn something that will make you more efficient. And now, over to the presentation. Okay, so I'm Dave Keane. I'm a dev on the C-Sharp VB Languages team. Um, I moved back from Seattle a uh, uh, couple of years ago, two years ago, after spending about 12 years there. Um, I work from home in Melbourne, um, where I spend most of my time on GitHub. Uh, today I'm going to be talking about uh, VS Productivity for .NET devs. Um, as we go through this, feel free to talk. Let's just we can go back and forth and ask questions if you want to deal with that. Um, just interrupt me at any time. Um, so 15.7 has been out for a few months now, and as we said, 15.8 preview um, was released at the end of last month. Um, make sure you upgrade. Um, so I'm going to be showing a ton of new productivity features across the product um, from when RTM first released, RTM of 2017, um, right up to the current previews. Um, most of my time is going to be spent in, in VS. Um, so... We reached out to a ton, at the start of 2017, we reached out to a ton of devs and asked them about productivity and, you know, what was blocking their productivity. Um, have a guess at what the number one thing was. Load time. It's a good guess. Yeah. So performance was the number one thing that everyone said was blocking their productivity. So, um, 2017 has been very heavily focused on performance. Um, if you follow me on Twitter, you'll see my I tweet every now and then some of the stuff that we're working on. Um, we've made improvements. Um, we've made improvements across the product. So startup, solution load, solution unload, um, build time, branch switching, uh, test discovery and execution, um, just some of the things. Here's a, a, a quick video um, that that shows uh, basically this is 15.0. Oh, I don't know what's going on. I don't know how to use PowerPoint. Um, 15.0 here and 15.7. This is opening the same solution, 160 projects. Um, this is the Roslyn solution. Uh, about a million lines of code. So on 15.7, um, you'll see it loads in about 15 seconds, um, which is about four and a half by four and a half to five times faster than what we started 15.0. So that's just um, a little example of of what we've been working on. Um, we've made other improvements, and I'll I'll show you some of these. So here I've got um, the latest preview, preview five. Of 15.8. Um, so I'll open up this little solution that I work on. 
This is a side project that I do, uh, audio switcher. That I don't know if you ever have trouble switching audios, if you've got multiple outputs. This thing is a little thing that helps me switch that thing. So the first thing you want to notice is in the corner, uh, Test Explorer found 5,000 tests. So in the past, that would have taken a couple of minutes just to do that. Um, so we've got a, uh, a ton of, you know, so we rewrote how this stuff works. So instead of um, Test Explorer used to run on the binaries, uh, you know, you build, you get all the results, you parse the binaries, you bind all the tests, and so forth, then you populate it. Um, now that turns out to be very slow. So a better way of doing it is um, we we make use of Roslyn here. So is an example. So if I copy this test here, um, oh, instead of copying actually, what I'm going to do is use our new shortcut, which is duplicate. So duplicate, unlike um, unlike copy, it doesn't ta uh, burn through the paste buffer. So now if I rename this test, and you'll see that we already picked up the, that thing there. So in the past, you'd have to build, would have to open the binaries, read them, and, and so forth before we populated this thing. Now we can just pick up those tests as you type them um, using the power of Roslyn. So, okay, so back to that. Um, another thing we've added is, which was asked for, was this test hierarchy feature. So you can see that um, this gives you a more logical view of your test rather than this flat, rather than a flat list that you've had in the past releases. You've got a more logical view, so you've got the project here and namespace and and um, test uh, class and then tests under that. Um, well, let's run these tests. Uh, another change we made was. We um, updated the icons of the test to, to kind of make it a little clearer around what tests are running and, and, and what tests are in progress. So, for example, the clock right now indicates that we're running those tests because you can run individual, you could run these tests but not these tests. So, you want to know which ones you're running. And then you've got this little progress screen bar for the tests that are currently being um, run or the group that's currently being run. So, um, that just makes it a, a, a lot clearer as to what what's actually what tests are taking a while to run and, and, and so forth. Okay, so uh, let's go back to here. Okay, so just to recap some of the stuff that we saw. So test explorer improvements, so faster discovery in 15.6, project hierarchy view in 15.7, um, and then we changed the pending and progress icons to kind of give you a little bit more indication of what's going on. And then we added this duplicate line selection thing, which I showed, which is um, control EV. So that doesn't blow through your paste buffer. So you can copy something, duplicate another thing, and then paste, and, and it doesn't. So that saves you copying and then pasting just to duplicate something, which is kind of cool. Is there much internal debate about whether that shortcut should be control D? Um, I think it was at one point. Control D. There was 
there was some reason why it didn't ship like that. I usually shortcuts. So actually, I had a little trouble with this demo because the shortcuts were changing between builds. So um, usually we pick the ideal shortcut, and then something happens, like we run we run into um, uh, there's a clash with Resharper, or there's a clash with the major extension, or there's a there's a clash somewhere else. Um, okay, now my tests are not finishing for some reason, so let's just reboot this. This is why this thing is in preview. So let's just now we've got this test here, which if this finishes will fail. Um, so I've got a couple of failing tests. So I want to dig into what what you know what what's going on. Um, why is this test failing? So if we I have a look at here, I see okay this is a this is my JSON setting service. I'm passing it some fake JSON here, reading a what should be a property in there and asserting the results. So I have a look in here and come come down here and okay, so I get a little invalid property character. I'm okay, I'm not really sure what's going on. You know, there's JSON.net on the, the stack. Um, so why don't I debug into this thing? And well, this starts up debugging. Hopefully, this will hit a breakpoint that I set. Yes, because I've done this before. Um, so I hit this breakpoint, and now I just use my my usual F10, F11 to step over and step in. So in here, I want to step in. So I do F11. Okay. Now the stack I saw before was this J object dot load. So we want to skip over this. So I'm pressing F10 to skip over this. Oops. No. Press F11. Hmm. Let's just step out again. Okay. Sorry, it's really hard to see the keyboard in here. So, um, okay. So we, we're we're at this point. So this is the this is where the the test through. So at this point, this is going into a JSON.NET, which is a package that I've installed. I don't really have control over this package. Um, it's kind of a, a black box to me. So in the past. It was kind of a, you know, you'd probably have to download JSON. If it was a bug in JSON.NET, you'd either have to assume it's not and move on or download JSON.NET, maybe build it yourself. But some of the things that we've added recently uh, help with this. So one of the first features we've added in 15.7 is you can right-click on this and instead of go uh, and click go to definition, and I've turned this feature on. So... Uh, you get this Euler prompt for the first time you use it, but what this is doing is traditionally this would have given you a metadata view of, of, 
of JSON.NET. So you'd get an overview of, of the methods and things, but without any method bodies. What we've done is we've implemented decompilation. So we will decompile this thing for you on the fly from IL back into C Sharp. So what you're looking at here is 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 basically a, a C-sharp view of what the DLL is. Now, you don't get any comments. You get XML comments because we've pulled them from the, the XML files that are alongside it, but you don't get comments and stuff. But this might give you a, a nice little cool view of, of what's going on. Um, now, you can keep going here. You know, you can go and go further if you want. Go under there and so forth. And then let's find a framework type. So here we got string. So I can go under string. So here, this is the framework itself that we've decompiled and putting it on, you know, just as, as normal source code. So you can quickly just see, okay, what's going on under the covers? Is this, you know, maybe this is my bug, maybe this is their bug. Anyway, so that gives you one little view of the world. And that's okay. And, and that works all right. Reading code is good. But sometimes it's easier if you just want to just to step into the thing, you know, you, you want to see well, what is it doing under the covers and, and, and is, um, you know, maybe, maybe they've written logic wrong, maybe you're interpreting their logic wrong or so forth. So why don't we try stepping in? So I step into this thing. Okay, so this looks very similar to what I had before. Now the difference here is that we're actually looking at real source code. So you can see pound ifs here, which are not, there's no concept of that in, in, the, um, in the binary. So this is a real real source code. We scroll down here, we can see some comments that James has added. And so I'm actually stepping through JSON.NET right now. So I can, all my usual step, my, my locals work. If I look and dive into locals, I can see the locals here. Um, and, and what, what, what's happening here is that we've added this new feature called SourceLink, which lets third parties, packages, and um, uh, open source libraries and, and your own libraries and so forth, basically associate their PDB or their, their symbols back with the source code that it, that, that it lives. So JSON.net lives on GitHub. So what we're doing here is we're downloading, we're, we're reading the PDB. We, we know the hash, the Git hash, that this project was built, or this DLL was built, and we're downloading the, the, the source code off GitHub and showing it in line with what you're debugging here. So um, this kind of changes the game a bit with open source libraries and so forth. You know, there, there's, there's been single source and so forth, but um, this has kind of opened it for the masses. So what do you think about that? Is it cool? Yeah. Right. Can you use it against things besides GitHub? Uh, yeah. So any any um, any source control server that uh, implements a protocol can implement this. So you can pull it from VSTS, um, GitLab is implementing it. Um, there's a few others that are they're implementing as well. So it's it's really just a, a it's extending the PDB protocol. The PDB already had stuff inside of it that lets you point here, point to uh, or execute commands to pull down stuff. 
but this is kind of just it's kind of modernized the the protocol so to make it easier so you use some metadata file to as part of the compilation step to get the uh, so it's all the, the the yeah the link is is embedded in the PDB so you you set some properties in your project file mm-hmm. you add a reference to a package you build and now that thing is source link okay. um, and and you know it will pull you so it's 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 I don't have a demo of how to do it on this side but I can point you to it but um, yeah it's it's just buried in the PDB and the, and the PDB is shipped with the package. And we've changed the PDB format recently, so you can actually embed PDBs inside the DLL. That's good. Um, so you can, it works with that as well. So, so it's even better. You have one DLL, and now all of a sudden you can, you've got a link back to the source code. So this is an early JSON.NET package. Uh, this was just pulled off his off James's um, MyDetP. Um, so it's not released yet. But when he releases it, yeah. So JSON.net will be one of the first ones, and you'll start seeing all the major ones start moving across to this one. Okay, so uh, we're here now because I read the stack closely. I can see, I, I I know that this line here is where the where the exception came through. So um, in the past, I, you know, I, I want to quickly get to here. So usually, what I would do is F5. Here, set a breakpoint, hit the breakpoint, uncheck the breakpoint. Usually forget to uncheck the breakpoint and then hit it another time, so forth. And that's, that's kind of these temporary breakpoint issues are kind of annoying. So instead, what well, we have this feature here that lets you basically run to the cursor. So if I click here, the, the debugger is now run the execution to that line. So that, that saves the, the breakpoint un, uh, set unset issue. Um, now, if I have five this, okay, so we run into the exception here. Now, I'm right where he threw the exception. So I'm looking at what the code here and it's pretty, it's pretty obvious what's going on. So he's parsing a property. The first, if the first child is not a quote, single quote or a double quote, and it's not a valid char throw. I'm going, okay, well, all right, sounds like our input is pretty wrong here. So maybe it's not Jay, maybe it's not James's fault. It's, it's our fault. So anyway, so that, that kind of rules out Jason on that and we can move on. So we go, um, back to what we saw. So, uh, to recap, we said we run to click, which was added in 15.0. So those are still on 2015. Another reason to upgrade to uh, 2017. Uh, navigate to decompiled sources was 15.7. This is off by default, and it's still experimental. It has some rough edges, but um, you can turn it on using options. Uh, step into uh, the NuGet packages via source link. We added the support for this in 15.3, um, but it's really starting. only starting to roll out now, some of this. Um, I can share out the slides if you want later, so you don't save you guys from having um, having to uh, yeah take photos. So can you step into uh, packages that don't have the source link? So where you showed us, you go to string 
So in the past, to, to step into packages that you, so you can not step in. We don't have, so there's two set, there's two features there. There's, there's the step in and then there's the peak or the go to definition. So we, we've added support for, um, going to definition and looking at the source code. We have not added support for debugging that decompiled step. Um, yeah, it's, um, it's something that's definitely on top of mind. And something that we're, we're considering. Um, I, we had a pro I actually worked on a team that had a prototype back in 2006 for that. The .NET guys have done that. Yes. So yeah. So Reflector does it. Uh, JetBrains do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a very um, yeah commonly requested. It, it's I mean if you if you squeak you can kind of see where we're going with it. So yeah, it's definitely there. Um, but source link, source link. Uh, it doesn't really replace SourceLink because you really, the comments and the context you want to see, you know, what was he thinking when he wrote this? Like, now James doesn't write a lot of comments, so it's, maybe it doesn't help with Jason.net, but some other stuff. Um, Probably helps with all the link style lambda syntax as well to see the rules. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially when some of that stuff doesn't. Like we may optimize it a little. Yeah. Um, you know, when uh, C Sharp does a lot more optimizations in release builds than it used to. So before Roslyn, so 2013 and below, um, there wasn't a huge difference between debug and release builds with Roslyn. And so you can kind of look at, look, at, you know, the, you can doesn't throw away locals, doesn't do a, a you know optimize a bunch of stuff. Um, so but in 2015, Roslyn started doing a lot more optimizations during release builds. And so what you get in release builds is not really, um, yeah, what you, what you ended up in debug builds. And, and you, you, yeah, the, but, you anyway. know, so it does add, add a bunch more context. Okay, uh, oops, skipped it. Okay, so, um, Stop the button. So, okay, so we go back to this test. Okay, so the input is the is the issue here. It's 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 this is my fault. I, so if we we look up here and and it's it's not quite obvious, but here I've got a verbatim string, and it looks like I've tried to quote or I tried to escape the quotes. But verbatim strings, you don't you don't use you don't need to escape the quotes with backslash. You escape them with so it's it's kind of a, uh, this is my fault. I, I accidentally put these characters here. So I've got a couple of options for removing these characters. So what I can do is you know manually go remove each one, which is even harder on a Surface Book apparently. Um, now that's kind of annoying, and especially if you had a ton of them, it would be quite painful. Another option that we have is uh, box selection, which we've had for a while, where you can draw a box around that using Alt. So I've Alt and clicked. And I can remove the line. Now, box selection works great for tables and things that are straight in a straight line. It doesn't work so well when I want to remove these ones over here, right? It's not really a way to remove that. <laughs> right. Um, so in 15.8, we've added this new support called multi-carat support. So what, what I can do is by holding Alt and Control and click, oops, Alt, Control and click, 
I can add what we call these carrot, uh, multiple carrots. So these act and behave like normal carrots. Right, so I can, right, okay, so that, that works okay, but I still have a problem where I have to put a carrot in every single spot. So, we took it a step further. So, you highlight this thing, right? You press Alt Shift, dot, and then we'll go and find the next matching selection. And add a carrot. So now I can, like so. Alright, that's pretty cool. So I can remove carrots using a comma. So I'm Alt Shift and comma. I've got the shortcuts in the deck so you can see. And they changed underneath me. So I, I'm lucky I tested on this release. Um, right, so I can add and remove. That's kind of cool. Alright, but what if I can do it even easier? So what I do is Alt, Control, Shift, comma. And I've just selected all, all of these, all matching things in this file. So if I know that there's no other characters in here within that, throughout the file, then I can just select them all at once. Um, now I can, at that point, I can remove them also by just pressing, pressing control, uh, you know, uh, alt shift and comma. Now at this point, I can remove like so. Uh, in, a, in a couple of clicks, I've, I've selected them all and removed them. Now at this point, you know, it, it, it can be helpful for adding stuff as well. Like I can type foobar here. And it's going to add it. So these act as normal carrots. Yeah. So what do you think about that? It, the original option was to use uh, Alt Shift and click, but is there a keyboard only version of that where you can basically pet the individual spots you want? Yeah. So that's <coughs> Alt, Control, and click. No, but without the Oh, without. Yes, there is. I don't know it offhand. That's right. As long as there is, because I wouldn't want to pick up the mouse. For that. Um, actually, that's a good point. I, maybe there isn't. Yeah, that's a good point. Because VS Code has that. Okay. What what's its shortcut? I don't know. But, um, <laughs> I know it has. It just come out. So okay. I'll I'll, I'll I'll when I get offline, I'll ping the the uh, editor guys on yeah. Slack and figure out. Yeah. Why don't you just use replace all in selection? So replace all also, you can use replace all in that, that case, but replace all, it, 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 you kind of, you're moving, like the carrot, the, the carrots, it's more than just replacing, right? You're, 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 you want to, like, they're acting as if, um, right? It, it, I, I, I suppose it's really hard to explain unless you've kind of used tables a lot. I, I write a lot of tables. Like in tests, I have these theories, which, are each represented by, let me try and see that I can find one. Um, here, right, I, I have here, and, and in these, oops, in these, you know, I usually have many parameters, you know, And then what I'm what I'm trying to do is is kind of manipulate you know copy this uh, copy this 20 times so or duplicate this using the new shortcut a p b e v e v right 
and then I, I, I want to add an extra comma or I want to add, like, um, it, it, it's just so much easier. Like, find and replace, you kind of, you're switching, you're out of sync and you're, you know, it's just, it's just, you want to stay in the editor and you want to, um, I don't know, it's, it's just, carrots, carrots are, uh, are extremely powerful. Like, uh, the alt, the box selection is now just represented using these carrots. So, um, you know, I, I can do this. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of, and then I can unselect one, right? And then keep typing. So, um, find and replace, it's, it, 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 it has its place. And if you're happy with find and replace, I mean, keep using it. Don't have to remember shortcut keys. <laughs> I mean, that's the hardest thing about this thing is the shortcut key, right? Um, it takes a little to get used to it. And, in fact, doing the presentation, once I did it a few times over and over and over again, and they changed underneath me too. I forced myself to learn them. Uh, they started making a lot more sense, right? And it, and it kind of makes sense. I, I, you press comma to go back and dot to go forward. So, like, they kind of, they're kind of sensible. And the other thing you can do is you can customize the keyboard shortcuts to whatever you want, right? So, so if you don't like the shortcuts, you go tools, um, options, keyboard, and you can change um, commands to whatever you want. So, yeah, the shortcuts and, and, and the commands fly with your account. So, so you go and sign into another machine and they come. So, yeah, it. I mean, it's easy to own. VS Code has this feature and it, it, it was very well loved by people who used it. They come back to VS and it's missing it. So it's kind of makes sense to add it for us. I can say it's much more um, instant way of doing that. Um, that editing. Yeah. Whereas if you bring up find the place, you're reminded of what your last find the place was. Just yeah. Distraction. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, it, it does feel a little bit more natural to type, I think. Like, I'm going to use it a lot more than find and replace, I think. Just because, it's yeah. Does that work for selection of characters instead of just one? Uh, what do you mean? Uh, so, uh, before you just, you just... Oh, selection of characters? Yeah, so I can... Um, so, like, if I don't... If I don't... If I just put the cursor here, for example, it will, by default, um, select the word, the token. So, we're, the smart... Basically, they split them up into tokens. So... That's what it will do by default. Um, if I was on the quotes, then it would select the quotes. So, yeah, it, it, yeah, it's just it's just trying to find the match. Okay, so we fixed that. So let me rerun that. So that sticks. Okay. So to recap what we saw, we had box selection, which we've had for a, for a long time. We briefly removed it for 2010, and I complained bitterly, and we added it back. Because um, we rewrote the editor in 2010. Uh, so alt-click 
that draws a box, uh, and now we have multi-carat editing and selection in 15.8. Okay. Um, okay, so let's go to the second bug, uh, the second test value. So we've got a second test value here, so let's work into this. Okay, so we hit what looks like a null ref here. Okay, so uh, one of the first things uh, you might see if you're still using 2015 is, that, is this exception helper dialog has changed. So um, this now lets you uh, set your first chance exception or your exception window break on exceptions very easily. So if you run into a, a lot of exceptions that are you know, I've expected, you can just say, I never want to be told about that if it's ever thrown from this module world. Um, and you can edit conditions based on that, which is kind of cool. The other thing you might notice um, is that null ref exception, we're hitting a null ref, we're actually telling you what object was null. Right? <laughs> so this seems like such a minor thing but it required runtime changes and debugger changes and, and lots of changes. So that'll be in the exception message as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Not just in the debugger. Yeah, so this is the exception message in. The, the, yeah, this is just showing the exception message. So, um, you, so now it's quite obvious here that this is null, but you might have a, a more co complex construct or your console right lining something and you might not have enough context there. So, okay, so that's cool. All right, so let me look at what read is doing. Okay, so so if I'm looking at write, which is the opposite of read, it's it's checking whether this thing is null before we throw and throws an argument null exception. And this thing is, is it just dereferences it without checking. So, okay, so that this seems fairly easy to fix. Um, and let me go back to the test. Okay, so if I read the test, it's kind of obvious what it was testing. Okay, so it's trying to... Confirm that we throw argument null exception, but we throw, we're null referencing instead. Okay, so this seems pretty easy to fix. So why don't we go over this side? So now I'm going to try turn something on to kind of help me with this, make sure I can't fix it. So if I go to test, go live unit testing, and say start. So what we're going to do here is live unit testing is a way of giving you a, a visual indication. Um, in the background that as you make changes around what your status of your tests are. So um, it's just initializing right now. Now, if you look on the editor, you'll see these ticks and Xs and lines on the editor that gives you a live representation of, of the state of your tests. So this tick here means that it was this line of code was hit by a test and it's covered by six tests. So six tests hit this line, and they all passed. This line here says no test hit this path. Um, so there was no pass or failure. So this is kind of something that you might want to look at and, and add a test for. This line here says, hey, I've, I've hit um, failures. You know, I had, I had a test hit this line, and it failed. So if I click on it, I quickly inline see a way, you know, I see the test that that, that is failing and, and, and the reason that it failed across in the corner. So that's kind of cool. Okay, so 
let's see if we add the null ref check, or if we add the argument null check, what happens? So I could write it myself, but I like Rosalind to write my code. So um, I control dot, which opened this little the light bulb here, and gives me an option to add a null check. So why don't I add a null check? Okay, now what, why, why I did that, live unit testing is in the background running my tests based on the code that I just changed and, and just told me immediately that my tests pass, right? So, well, now let's just see whether this is being a bit, you know, let's see whether this is actually correct. So let me comment out this thing. I haven't saved, I haven't done anything. I just commented out the line and immediately Live unit testing is giving me indication that this test has failed. So if I uncomment it, it'll rerun and tell me that the test has passed. So it's smart about how it runs the test too. So you can see that um, these tests over here, they're grayed out. They didn't get run in the last run. Only the tests that actually hit that line that I changed ran. So it knows, it does analysis and figures out that only, uh, these tests hit these lines of code, therefore we only need to test those lines of code before, you know, we only need to rerun those lines of code to test that this thing is fixed. Okay, so um, that's live unit testing. Uh, let me... Uh, just, that, um, is there a way to flag the test to not run the same? It's the fact that there's a very yes. running test. Yes, there's a, there's a, there's a um, ask questions uh, thing on VS Docs about unit test, uh, live unit testing, and it shows you how do I exclude a file. Like, you can right-click on and exclude a file, a whole file, if you want. You can apply it, you know, if you're using XUnit, you can go and write an attribute that does the same thing. So, yeah, there, there's opt-ins and outs and, and and say, I never want this thing to run in, unit, in live unit testing or... And so Is that config file part of the um, source control then, uh, but control in the live test? Uh, to be honest, I don't know about the include and exclude, um, but if you write the XUnit approach of excluding a test, it's definitely right. part of the... So we use NUnit and that has attributes, so we'll probably just respect that in the same way. Yeah, yeah. Default, yeah, um, yeah. So there's a way of writing... Yeah. There's a... I, I haven't used it, to be honest, so I'm... I'm but I, I remember reading about it, so... Um, when you added the same shortcut to add and remove. Oh, okay. Okay. No, I didn't use the same shortcut. We don't have the same shortcut, which is unfortunate. It's a it's a so to to comment, so it's control K C and then control K U. I literally filed a bug about two months ago that said we need to add a comment we need to add a shortcut that does the reverse of what it just did. Yeah. Yeah. Because I can do command slash on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've got a bug on it. We don't have it yet. Um, I can point you to it, and you can add some comments to it and say, hey, we need this. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, it would be very useful. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, so the, the, basically the concept is that you, it would just basically figure out based on the concept whether to comment or uncomment. Yeah. Um, and now Roslyn's open source as well, so you could um, <laughs> contribute that. Um Okay, so, uh, yeah, okay, so what did it show? So, the exception helper is new 15.0, um, lets you control your, um, 
you know, whether to break on what exceptions and so far is nice and easy. Um, add null check as a, as a new thing that we added in 15.5. Live unit testing is uh, in 15.0 and above, enterprise only. Um, and then, as we said, the comment and uncomment code. Okay. Um, okay. So, test the passing, which is great. Okay, so let me commit this so that I have a known state my tests. So what I want to do is first um, press control open bracket um, S. So control open bracket S basically syncs or, or moves the, the, so let me try it again, control open bracket S. Basically syncs the active document with Solution Explorer here. Now you can turn that on by default if you like that, that behavior. It used to be the old default and we turned it off in about 2010 I think. Um, but, you know, th that gives you a way to sync to the doc. Now, if you look in Solution Explorer here, you can see that there's a tick here, which means that there's a pending edit. Or I look down here, there's another pending edit here. What I can also do is press Control, open bracket, P, which will actually uh, filter Solution Explorer just to the pending changes that I have. Right, so you can see that it's only got files that I've changed. Um, I can also sync just to open files if I would like, just with another shortcut or using this drop down here. Right. Okay, so let me turn that off. Okay, another thing that we added um, down here is now. Can you see my cursor? Yeah. Um, is if you if you use Git a lot, then we have we've added some uh, little quick things here. So you've got a branch switcher here. So if you want to quickly switch branches from the status bar, this tells you what repository you're in. This is telling you how many pending edits you have currently. And we have three, as we saw before. And this is telling me how many unpushed commits I have locally. So these are commits that are only locally that are not haven't been pushed to the server or to a to my remote. Um, now, so let me click this little pending changes thing here. Right. Now, the thing that's kind of uh, used to frustrate me with Team Explorer is that, you know, it has my branches there. Um, if I want to um, manage my branches, like it just replaced what I was just working on. Did you see that? Like it just, I want to work on both branches. I want to have branches and my changes visible at the same time. So what I can do is click this little button here. Right and tear off changes and now I can go and have branches and changes off on its own. I can do the same thing with branches if I like, tear it off. Okay. So that's pretty cool. Alright, um, uh, what are we doing? So let's commit this, so fix tests. Uh, just quickly, you showed, showed that um, tabs can be torn off for the git integration, does that also work for TFS? Uh, yes, it does. Yeah. yeah. Also works with this. A hands of, show of hands who, what source controls they're on using. Who's using TFS? Yeah, quite a lot. Who's using Git? Who's using something else? What are you using? Subversion. Subversion. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, uh, TFS is still a good choice. I, I, I used TFS for many, many years. Git has made a significant number of improvements and made life a lot easier on lots of things. So that's why we moved to it. Um, and in, if you look inside Microsoft, uh, Windows has now completed moving over to Git. Um, I mean, VS and DevDiv is always on Git. Uh, I've been on Git for years. Um, but so, you know, we, we, as a company, we are kind of, the direction is that push towards Git. Git has seemed to have solved a lot of the problems that we had with source control. It's introduced others, but it's solved most of the uh, other complex ones. Um, so, yeah, that is that seems to be the direction. Okay, so let's commit this. Okay, so um, okay, so let's just recap what we saw. So you can track Active Document in Solution Explorer. Now, if you like that by default, so whenever you change documents, it would sync Solution Explorer. You can turn that on in Options. There's some keyboard shortcuts to to show what I showed earlier. Uh, status bar for quick actions. We've made performance improvements in 15.7 and 15.8, but more in 15.8. Um, Git branch switching is no longer um, blocking. So if you've got a while switching between large branches, um, it's now all background. And the other thing that we'll do is, um, due to the way that Git syncs, where it will sync down file, you know, pull down files or check out files one at a time, um, we've improved how VS reacts to that. So we'll save, you know, we'll save off a lot of processing once until the, the branch is fully synced down. So we don't throw away a lot of work as we switch branches. Other things that we've made in, um, in Team Explorer is that we'll no longer, uh, we're working on no longer reloading the entire solution when you change a project file. Um, we've also greatly improved the speed of reloading a single project file, which is the reason why we used to reload the solution. So we fixed a lot of the performance problems with the, uh, with the old project system that for .NET Framework and, and so forth. If you've used uh, what I work on, which is the new project system, I work on the old one as well, but the new one that I'm working on, um, which you see for .NET Core and .NET um, Standard, but we'll roll it out eventually to everyone. Um, We'll automatically pick up changes from disk and so forth. So, and the other benefit is we don't, you know, we have globs, so you don't, you can do start.cs, so you don't have merge conflicts, um, and we've simplified the format too. Can you just elaborate possibly on a timeline of getting that in for the standard.NET framework? Because uh, I've tried porting over to package reference, and it does work, but it's a bit glitchy. Yep. And it's so, still not the full. Um, Switch over. The so here I can do one better. I can. Oops. Uh, this is on my phone, so network is pretty slow. Uh, sorry, I, I don't use my Surface Book very often at all, as you can tell. So this is what I work on day to day. If you go to down here, and so we kind of give a recap of the of the roadmap that we're looking at. So 16.0, which is 2019, which we've announced, um, 
we're working on right now, WinForms and WPF bring up on the new project system, which is a big blocker. Um, a lot of it's just trying to replicate a, a bunch of the features that the legacy project system, or the old project system had. So, so yeah, that's... Okay. So it is coming. That's it's coming. And, and if you're brave, you can dog food it today. So we're using it in... So I work on the project system, and we we use the project system. And we're all desktop projects. So this all, this whole thing, and these are VB projects as well. We have C Sharp. So these these are the new project system using itself to build itself. Does, so, do you just need to install an extension to support no, that? No, no. So if you go, there's I can talk to you offline, but there's okay. there's there's a way to opt in projects right. with this stock here. But it's it's. You have to know that there's off the road. Like if you do WPF, the design is kind of sure. broken at the moment. So that's right. It's just planning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, the the plan is to um, definitely move to um, yeah move all the scenarios over to the new project system. Okay, good. We've, we've done that. Our software is pretty much Did you have to implement .NET 7 to do that? No. No. You just target no. .NET 4.5. No. So you, so you, here, wait, let me, actually, I love that this is not an official, like, a, that we can go off and do this. So I'll show you how we did it. So if I go in here, go into one of our projects, this one here. Right. Oh, actually, it's not in here. Let me fire up VS and I'll do it live while we're here. So I go here. And I go this one because I know it's a new project system. So the other thing with the new project system, I wasn't going to cover the new project system, but now that we're here, we're, uh, we'll talk about it. Um, the other thing that we, we enable you to do is edit the project while it's live, while it's actually live, right? That's so one of the main reasons I want this feature. So <laughs> it's a killer feature. So here, like, I pushed really hard to get this in, and we got it. It was it was absolute killer. And now, so and now I'm targeting .NET 4.5. And so that's what you did. Yeah. Alright, so. Oh. <laughs> oh no. I turned off Everything something. shut down. Oh, I think it's just. I think it's a bad one. Oh, it's turned off. How did that turn off? Mm. Uh, so, um, while we're setting that up. Oh, it's the yeah, so. Uh, Oh, what was the, yeah, so the edit in project file, um, you save, we reload the changes, you switch branches, we just pick up the changes automatically, we just do it, basically load the file off disk, do a diff, merge it in. So let's say I've done the package reference upgrade, which you can already do. Yep. Then you just replace basically the, the, the top level element in the CS Proj file and, and that's... Well, you need, at the moment you need to opt into this thing, Yeah. this SDK thing. Um, 
but when we're fixing that. Uh, yeah, so a few things won't work if you don't opt into this. So um, this just makes your life easier because it it does a lot of things like defaults configurations for you, for example, right? So you see that there's no configurations in this project file at all, right? But but I have debug, I have release. Yeah, so under the covers, it's just putting in some target files from somewhere else. Yeah, like yeah, has. yeah, exactly. Yeah, so SDK is just a way of saying import this thing at the top. Import this thing at the bottom. Right. And then, yeah. Yeah, oh, I'm glad I get to talk about that. Um, now, the question is what did I do with my presentation? I think I closed it. Okay, so, um, all right. So, now, I, 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 my tests are passing. I've checked it all in. I'm committed. I'm good. Now I'm going to start looking for some new stuff to do to my code. So, um, now, because I've, I know my code, I, I know that I have a, um, I have a method uh, called onItemClicked that I want to look up. So what I bring up is this, I press control comma or control T, which is this go to wall thing here. So this is basically your one stop shop for finding stuff around the project. So what I can do is I can filter by types. So I could say, and this will, I push T for type. You can see that, I'm not sure if you can see that, but this is automatically selected the types here and it's filtering by type. I can do F if I want files. Right. or members. So this member I want was on item clicked, I think it was. So I can type this thing out, on item clicked, and go down. Or I can just say, I can just take the prefix of each thing that I, so on item click, so O-I-C, right? And we, we take the prefix and and just match on that. So let me go down to here. So, okay, now let me turn off uh, live unit testing because I don't like it reminding me that I have no unit tests in this part of the code. <laughs> um, so I have this little if statement here. Now if I click on it, we, we see that we've got this little screwdriver here. Now this is, this is a set of refactorings that are available for this line of code here. So in this line of code, I'm looking at the if statement and it's kind of reverse of what I would probably want. So I press control dot to drop the light bulb. It gives me an option of inverting the if. I press like so and now it's inverted the if. I can go back if I want. Okay, that's pretty cool. Um, let me scroll down. Okay, so I have this sync property method here. Now, before I like to do a lot of refactoring and stuff, I kind of want to pay attention to how much uh, usage something has. So I might want to use code lens here and see, get a quick overview. My other options are to do a find all refs here. And in 2017, you'll notice that we've 
kind of changed this from 2015. So you get a nice little coloured syntax here. The other options you get to do is, is group by different things. So I can change the layout. So if I don't want any grouping and I just want every result just all in one, I can do that. I can filter. So I can just say, hey, just show me the usages within change documents or maybe the current document and so forth. Um, another option is this keep results thing. So if I'm doing a major refactoring, I might have want to be doing a lot of find all results on a bunch of methods. So I, I go, you know, maybe I want to do a find all results on this. And you see it just replaced this instance. So if I say keep results here, what we do is we fire off a new, a, 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 a new instance of it. So we now have two versions there. So this is kind of keeps, okay, I've got that in the back of my mind. I can close it when I'm done with it, so forth. And I can keep doing that if I want, and just we'll just keep firing off new ones. So now I've got three. Um, okay, so uh, now while I'm doing that, okay, so I know I'm come down here, and I'm, I'm looking here, and I've got this command property, you know, that's an enum. Now I'm doing this this convoluted set of if statements here, which maybe I didn't write this one, but um, uh, this doesn't really seem uh, you know ideal. Why don't we convert this to a switch statement? Okay, uh, what do you think of that? Pretty cool. Um, so this took all my if statements, saw that. The, this was just over an enum and, and, and converted to a switch statement. Now the other thing, that, the other thing that you might notice is that it's now changed from a light bulb to a, I mean from a screwdriver to a light bulb. A light bulb tells me that there's something that might, I might want to look at. Whereas a screwdriver says this is something that will help you refactor or change code. But it's not necessary. So I look at this and I notice that I'm missing a case here, right? So I, I've got a bug. So let me add this case. I, I wasn't syncing. This thing syncs between commands and, and um, a tool script, tool strip from WinForms. Um, so let me handle the image thing. Rosalind won't help me out with this, so I'll have to type it myself. Okay, so that, all right, that looks a lot better now. I've got, I've handled all my cases. Now, I, I can also go and add a default case if I want, but I know I don't need to. Um, okay, so... Yeah, okay. So let's just summarise what we saw. So, go to all, which is your one-stop stop for, stop for everything. It's got Control-T or Control-Comma. Alternatively, it also has a set of keyboard shortcuts for all the commands, so if you want to go to member, or go to symbol, or go to recent file, you can have shortcuts. Again, these these shortcuts are customizable, so if they don't make sense to you, then you're free to customize those things, and they'll stay with your profile for, um, for every machine you move to. So... Um, to find all references, um, is there a way to configure the keep results as default on? There isn't. I don't. Well, maybe there might be. I'm not sure. Um, it would be that would be a perfect thing to do. This send feedback for a problem. Yeah. 
and then say. I notice a lot of your features are coming from Resharper, and Resharper automatically. So put Resharper in the title, and <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm not joking by the send feedback either. I, the way that we drive, like I can file bugs internally and file bugs, and people take, but you know my weight is not as high as if there is a customer saying I need this feature. Right? I use VS every day constantly. I'm a fairly heavy user of VS, but still, you know, they, they do weigh in my stuff, but we really want, they weigh in customer feedback significantly. So if you have a feedback request and people start upvoting that, then, you know, that grabs the attention of the, the product group and then they say, oh yeah, we need to do that. And, um, you know, if ReSharper does something, it, it's probably on their list, but, um, you, you know, to, to bubble it up higher would be to have more feedback on it. Um, okay, so the shortcuts. Um, okay. Okay, so we're done with that. All right, so now if I go back to, what was it? Uh, stream extensions. I use, it's a type. I know it's a type, so let me use. Stream extensions. Okay. Now I come into here, right, and I'm looking at this code. And you might see this little, these little dots underneath. You see it on the screen? Yep. Um, these little dots under here. And, and this is kind of a, um, an indication that there's something that needs to be fixed here. Or something that, based on your code styles or your uh, thing, uh, settings you've set, that something needs to change. So let me control dots to see what it says. So this is telling me that, um, to use the explicit type instead of var. So I'm, in this project type, I've set it up. In the, I've set it up so that I don't want var in certain cases. So this is telling me that this setting here is is against what I've set up, or you know, opposite to what I've told it to set up. So how do I set this up? Well, on a personal PC, you can do this. How are we doing for time? Okay. Yeah. Um, it's Okay. So, search code style. So you can search in options if you want. It's the easiest way to find stuff. Okay, and you go on code style, and then we, you might notice that we've, you might have already noticed this, or you may have seen that we've added a lot more. So we've got these code styles that let you dictate how you want your code base to look, or what, what settings you like. So, for example, my var settings, I say for preferred type, uh, built-in types, I prefer the explicit type. For uh, when the type is apparent, then I prefer var. Um, now I've made for built-in types a suggestion. So that's what the dot, dot, dot says. It says, hey, this is a suggestion that you might want to go and fix. I can change the suggestion, I can change from a suggestion to a warning, which gets a, results in a yellow squiggle and it ends up in the error list. I can change it to an error, which turns it into an error. If I change it to refactoring only, which in previous releases was called none, refactoring only means we will respect those preferences. We won't give you any squiggles or warnings about this thing, but we will respect these preferences when you go and do refactorings. So, for example, if you introduce a local and your var setting says always use var, then we'll introduce, we'll use var. Um, now, Another one is naming. So we've got these naming guidelines. So if you your naming guideline says that 
private fields must begin with underscore, and we generate a private field for you, then we'll put an underscore underneath it. Right? So, okay, so that's cool. I can set those settings, but they're, they're kind of a, a, a my personal settings. So these, how do I, I'm working in a team environment. For those that are, don't work in team environments, it's, it, that may be okay, but if you're working in a team environment, you want to enforce a common set of guidelines or code styles across the code base. So what we've done is we've worked with an open so, uh, or an open format called editor config. Um, who's heard of editor config? Okay. So editor config is an open format that's used by editors to dictate and control things about those editors. So you can control how many tabs you have, you know, whether you use tabs or spaces or whether you use, you know, four tab, uh, four spaces as, as a tab, um, you know, for instead of two and so forth. Um, well, we've extended this to add .NET specific stuff. So, you know, we can say, hey, when you sort uh, system directories, uh, directives, put system first, put the system namespace first instead of, you know, Windows or my own namespace. And I go down here, and what I've done, uh, where's my bar usage? So here... I've got this this editor config here that says these are my var settings for my project. So if I have a, I'm an open source project, so if someone goes and downloads this thing and opens this in VS, VS is going to respect these settings. So as they're typing and as they're refactoring and as they're so this this gives a way to enforce code styles and 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 naming guidelines. So I can put naming guidelines in here, which I've got here as well. So I've got that interfaces must begin with I, um, public members must be Pascal case, and so forth. So the great thing about these editor config is that they're also directory based. So you can put one at the root of your project, enforce a bunch of um, rules that should apply to all code, and then individually put one individual levels of, of your tree um, that says, no, I, I, want, I want different rules. So, for example, at the root of the level, I say I apply all the rules. When I jump into my interop directory, and my interop directory is a bunch of Win32 stuff and COM stuff, um, I just say turn it off. I, I don't want any any rules. So none of these rules will apply under that directory. And so they um, so they, they they're basically nested, and you can. Uh, the other th the other interesting thing is you can also do say hey for example this is my bar settings for tests these are different to my normal source files so if you've got those legacy projects that you've got you know in new projects you want to follow all the coding style you know new coding styles <coughs> you might have some old legacy projects and we all have them um, where you say okay no one wants to touch that code. It's, it is what it is. I just won't apply any rules there. So then you put an editor config in that directory, and, and everything below it will never will never be enforced. So editor config flows with your project. It gets committed along with all your source code, and then these VS just respects those, and other editors are respected as well. So VS code will respect it, and and you know all the other editors that that you might use. Does it actually generate one of those files from your current setting? Okay, so out of the box, it does not generate. However, we have this thing called um, IntelliCode, 
which is an experimental thing that we're working on. Um, who's heard of IntelliCode? Is it okay? It's for you. Um, IntelliCode will in, it will scan your code base and then produce a set of rules based on your code base. So you can download the extension today. I I, ha I haven't got a demo of it, but um, IntelliCode will generate a, an editor config. The other thing you can do is we add a template too. That, that contains the .NET coding styles. I can also point you to, uh, later I'll point you to some docs that cover all, this, all the different ones. We're adding ones all the time. You can control, um, so you, it's not just language features and stuff, it's, it's also, um, uh, not formatting, uh, spacing and wrapping and uh, all sorts of things. So if you have Different rules. If you're KNR, you can say I'm KNR. If you're uh, KNR space, uh, KNR braces. Um, if you're, um, you know, if you have certain rules about where how spacing works, then you can apply those things, and and you can apply them in here, or you can put them in editor config as well. Now we'll, sorry. Is there a tool that you can run during a CI build? Yeah. So right now we don't have enforcement. This is an IDE enforcement. At the moment, we're working on, and if you go onto Roslyn, you can see PRs and stuff that we're baking this stuff into the compiler. So that would be like an analyzer. Yeah. So yes. it's pretty similar to how StyleCop works. Now. Very similar to how StyleCop works. Um, similar. Um, I mean, the, the guy on StyleCop works on Roslyn, but okay. now, so um, very similar to how StyleCop, or less, less. Um, Aggressive. I, I'm trying to think of a good word. I find StarCop to be extremely aggressive in mm. stuff. I, and, and I suppose that, that that's that's a, based on the rules. But also, I find some of the... Yeah, it kind of encourages a very aggressive... Whereas like, here you're just getting this hinting over your... Over well, you can change the hinting. Okay. Yeah, so you can you can actually make them squiggles if you like. Um, so you can be overly aggressive and say, hey, this is an error. You need to... You know, a var must be used everywhere. If you don't use var, we can't check in. So the, that's the, the check-in thing that we're... So later, not 15.8, we're working on baking it into the compiler so you can check check this in. Uh, so you can enforce it during a build. Is there an easy way to just keep track on when you guys are adding new rules and what they are? There's not a good way of doing that. <laughs> I've given the same feedback to Casey, so... Um, yeah, yeah. There's not a great way. I don't have a great way of doing it. I just did it for 15.7 and then 15.8, and it's not a great way. If you go and look in the docs, you'll see that I've actually docked all the ones that are, and some of the new ones that we've missed in 15.8 because they weren't docked. So, yeah, there's not a great way at the moment, and we, we know about it, and they're coming up with a way. I think, think maybe a, like an editor-style view over the thing. So, so imagine tools options, but over your over your edit, editor config, plus IntelliSense inside the editor config. Um, okay, so okay, all right. Now I'm onto the. Oh, I nearly gave it away. 
Okay, now I'm on to one of my new favourite features for 15.8. You might have seen it or used it. So, if I look in here, okay, so if I open up the error list. Okay, so you can see that these these infos, or these messages, uh, the ones that I sent to informational is showing up here. Right? Okay, so let me just look into this file and I just want to filter it to this file. So I can say current document in the arrow list. Okay, so there's there's this one in here, uh, these two here. Now, if I'm looking through this doc, there's also some strange stuff here that wouldn't be something I would normally write. So, for example, I like internal to be force static, and you can force that using editor config. Um, it's got some unused usings here. I also like my usings to be sorted. It's not. Um, so, oh, and it looks like there's, uh, we're grayed out this cast. It's not actually needed. And looks like I'm using K&R here, and I prefer braces on the on a new one. So, you know, I can individually fix these. So if I go up here and say, okay, let me fix this one and fix this case, like so, and we pick it up automatically. Now I can do this across the code base as well, or across the document, across project or solution. So I can apply it across the whole thing. But now I can go up here and I can go remove and sort and so forth, and that's kind of annoying. So what we're added in 15a is this. I press um, it, control E, D, which is your normal format. I don't know if anyone, did you see what happened then? So I just did a format document. And we basically just went ahead and applied all the fixes that for code styles that you have in that doc. So this doc, this this thing was out of sync with my code styles. I just pressed Control E D, formatted the document, cleaned up my usings, sorted them, <coughs> reordered my accessibility modifiers. It changed my braces back to what they should be. Removed the unneeded casts over here, and it fixed up some of the the var usage that I don't like. So this is a this is a, a, a new feature that we added in 15.8, which you can download and try. Um, if you go into formatting here, these are the set of things that we apply right now. So if you don't like this, you can turn it off. But you can choose when you you'll get prompted the first time you use ED to configure this. But um, so this is this is something um, a little experimental at the moment. Um, and we're, we'll be extending it later to, to happen on save if you want, or on apply it across the, the, the solution. Um, so it'll be a nice, clean, easy way to quickly clean up your code base in one foul swoop, um, according to the rules that you've set in there that can be. So, um, let's go and recap. Okay, so we've got uh, code styles in 15.0. Um, these are set in tools options, and they work for VB and C Sharp for the VB devs in the in the room. Um, these are limited to your uh, will limit to your account, basically. Um, there's editor config. This is for your team wild coding conventions that travel. We added slightly new editor config support down level, but 15.7 is where most of the support came. Works at the directory level, so you can apply it at multiple levels. 
Um, and then you can, from there, fix violations based on that across the solution and, and document and, and um, project, if you like. And then follow up, code cleanup via format document. So this is not a new command. This is just the normal, usual format document command that you might have used. Will is it being extended to um, also support uh, code styles? Okay, so if I turn error list back to uh, entire solution, I've got some other um, quick grab bag of things. That, oh, sorry, question. Okay. Quick other grab bag. So this is just a. I'm going to give you a quick uh, run through of some of the refactorings that we've added or. Uh, um, we've already had or we've added recently. So here's one. So I'm raising a, uh, an event here. And you can see that the editor has, has grayed out this, this code, meaning that it can be removed and simplified. So what we can do is simplify it like so. Okay. Uh, let's move on to this one. Okay, so here's some old code that um, was written a while back that's not using language features. So this... This is a kind of a nice little way of, of telling you about new languages features as well. So I can say, hey, let's simplify that. All right, so this might, this is like your, your with syntax in, in VB. Um, uh, so I got some bar stuff here. Um, okay, so here's, um, oh, for some reason that's not working. Um, okay, so here's another one that, um, showing you a new language feature. So I've got this out variable here. I can now declare this in in line in the method call itself, like so. So this is a this is a kind of a, a nice little new way of um, of uh, uh, te teaching you about features that you might not know. Looks like this one has a bug. It should tell me that I can move this. But, okay, so another one. Here's um, one that says this field is only ever read from. It's never written. You can just make this read only, like so. Um, another thing I've noticed in here is I usually don't nest my classes. In, I don't have nested classes inside the, the document, same document. So what instead I can say, hey, let's move this to a new doc. Like so, right? And you'll you'll notice there's a new file here. Um, let's go back to pattern matching. Oh, it's come around. So this is the new pattern matching that you might have seen in C sharp seven. Um, and John Skeet will show a bunch of this stuff, I'm sure, when he presents in a couple of weeks or a couple of months. Um, this is kind of changes the pattern. You, don't, you know, you don't need to do this kind of this as cast pattern and then check for null anymore. You can simplify it just using an is, like so. And here's just another explicit type that I didn't fix. Um, oh, okay. Um, some other things. Let's see what I got. So uh, we will, for example, um, so if I comment out this, 
we can generate. Oh, nope, it's not working. This is why this is still in preview. Um, we can generate constructors based on inputs. So uh, if you, let me try this one. Oh, maybe I'm in the wrong spot. Okay, there we go. Okay, so we, we can generate constructors based on inputs or fields that you might already have. So if I click OK here, we'll automatically create a constructor containing the, the, the ones that you've chosen and then initialize them. We'll even check if they're null, if, if they're reference types. The other thing you can do here is select one of these. Um, oh, this is not working on my box for some reason. Ah. When this works, which it's not right now, oh, because maybe I've already generated that constructor. Okay, yeah, that's because I've already generated a constructor right there. So um, this will generate a constructor. So I select the, the, the um, properties that I want to generate a constructor with, and I can now generate one with that and assign and so forth. And if you multi-select properties, will it do both? Yeah. Constructors? Yes, it does. It's not working here for some reason, which I'll file. Oh, because this, this is a read-only property. If it was a setter, it would, or if it was a if it was a field, if I did fields. Um, what's some other cool things? So we added variable name select, uh, suggestion. So you can say, um, let me just resolve this type. So I can say, okay, so I've got a dress. I type here and we'll give you suggestions for names here. Right, so this is a list of addresses. What would you call it? Addresses, probably. Right, so that's cool. Now, why don't we try something a little harder? So, what if we do person? Okay, what 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 will be the people? Right, hey, this is so. What we're using under the covers is we're using um, Humanizer, which is a open source project. Um. So we use a lot of cool tech around the industry to power a bunch of this stuff. Um, okay, so we saw a bunch of refactorings. You can bring out refactorings um, uh, and code fixes uh, yeah, using control dot or alt enter. Um, we also we, we do way more refactorings than that. It's just um, if, if, you're, if we're missing one that you want, go and file bugs on Roslyn or send feedback using help send feedback. Um, who knew that open, uh, Roslyn is open source? Or who knows what I mean when I say Roslyn? Okay, so most people. Okay, so Roslyn is the name of the <coughs> rewrite, the C sharp. So we wrote, rewrote C sharp and DB in C sharp and DB, and that that we gave that name. It was a code name Roslyn, but effectively became its name. So Roslyn is the description of, of the, the C sharp and DB compilers plus all the IDE infrastructure around it to make refactorings and code fixes and code style stuff work. Um, so that's all open source on GitHub.net Roslyn. You can file suggestions there. You can see bugs. You can take. You can take. We have community members who go and contribute their own stuff. You can, um, you know, make bug fixes. You can just file. You know, you can contribute just by sending requests and so forth. 
or voting on a on an existing one. Um, so here's some resources that covered some of the stuff I talked about today. So we've got a, a VS 2017 productivity guide that covers way more than what I just covered here. Um, that's on the new VS site, uh, doc site. Um, it's a quick overview. You go and scan it and say, I, do I know this? Do I know this? Do I know this? Do I know this? Um, if you've got performance issues, you can report them using this thing, and this gives you a, um, you can tip and we'll fix them. Uh, the edit the config docs and all the options that you've got and so forth, and when they're added and what release is there. And then we have a set of refactoring docs that lists all the refactorings. Um, so I think we're over, way over. Where's the pizza? <laughs> He's, he's always polite. <laughs> <laughs> well, that worked out well, actually. Um, so that's that covered. Um, I can answer any questions you want I, on anything on VS. I'm on my time. I literally uh, uh, Visual Studio Australia and Population One. That's me. Um, we soon will be two. Uh, so I can answer any questions you want. Um, on lots of stuff. I've worked on a bunch of stuff. Can you demo the new uh, allocation diagnostics tool? I can't demo it, so I... I no, I can't. <laughs> I know about it. I, I actually use Perfview, so I, I use that a lot, but um, I can't demo it, cause, so I would not be able to give it justice, so okay. I will refrain from demoing it. Fair enough. Any other questions? Do you know the uh, code metrics Yep. Yep, I know very well. Export it to Excel, but can you run it like from a command line tool? There is Code Metrics command line tool that um, you can run now uh, from 2015. I don't know whether it's a. There's not. There's no. There's been no changes though. So between 15 and 17. So I. It will, now I have to remember back to, because I was on the team that wrote this. So, um, it will, well, it might have a little trouble with some of the language features. I'm not sure. I, I to be honest, I, I, yeah, there's not a, yeah, there's not a real good answer. I do have a good answer for 2019 though, which is we've rewritten it. Yeah. So, it's now all Roslyn based. So, 2019 you'll see. You'll see a lot more. You'll see it will work with the line of churches. This might be a fine misunderstanding, but why is it so hard to load a resource file at runtime? Uh, what kind of resource file? What? what? To the, to the label on the screen. Um, it's well, it, uh, it's not actually that hard. Uh, what? What length? What? Uh, well, it depends on what you mean by hard. So. Um, I've got a resource file. Wait, 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 it, what? Gets it gets compiled into the application. Yep. <coughs> why? So, why does it run time? Well, so if if I if I go here, now you're VB, right? Yep. Right. So if I get off VB, um, what kind of app are you using? Just a, uh, ASP page. Okay, ASP. It doesn't. It, it's going to be the same regardless, but um, so if I click here, click here, 
this is this is yeah. my resources, yeah. and now I have. Yeah, so I we basically generate wait, show all files. We will generate yeah. a file that lets you access those resources. Yeah. So what what is there? A, so so you've got pro strongly typed properties that you can now access. So I can say. I've got a, a global resources folder and a resource. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to have to pass on that one. I don't know. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not a web guy, so um, I can definitely. If you send me, if you now my alias is um, uh, Dav Keen. So if you go back uh, to the start of the presentation, uh, it's the same as my Twitter alias. So you can just say Dav Keen at Microsoft, and I can any question and if, if we're missing the right docs to describe what yeah. we can also get some bugs on that I just just very helpful but you know <coughs> it goes for five pages yeah yeah I'm, I'm not a web guy unfortunately so uh, is there any other questions yep uh, you get uh, used to be uh, an XC it's, it's a DLL that Visual Studio calls now is there any way to uh, change the version of that. So, well, there's, there's well, it's, it's, it's kind of more than that now. But so, unfortunately, so inside, well, there's so from command line, what happens is you call, we call effectively into the exe. Effectively, if you squid, we effectively call into the exe. Inside VS, we have a lot more complexity around that, where we can't call it in the same way that we would call it in command line just due to UI um, and progress and like you just can't do stuff during the build that you can't you can't restore during the build it just doesn't work so we plug it into you know we call into into their extension and, and then it does a bunch of restore what you can do is you can replace that extension if you that they've got you can upgrade it to some of their private builds but there's not really a a great way of replacing it. What what's the what issue are you running into? Oh, look, I'm still in this package reference upgrade um, on, a, on a typical .NET framework, you know, CS profile, and I was getting some bugs when I run it from the first build, like a no uh, existing packages uh, Visual Studio build. What my boss calls an F5 build. Uh, it wouldn't build if I run off the command line, in which we do a, a manual new get restore prior to running MS build, everything works. So I concluded that the, whatever, however you're forking out to NuGet from within Visual Studio is not doing the same as the command line. Now, the command line version I pulled from NuGet org was you know, the head of their, their latest release. And obviously the one inside um, Visual Studio just comes with whatever version. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably have to dig dive into a little bit more about how the, what the project looks like. Um, if you go on a, a project system, the GitHub repo, mm -hmm. just file your, like if you can simplify your project down to a little bit, maybe I can right. um, answer that question there. Okay. Um, but without a little bit more details on how your project works, it, it, I'm not sure. You're still using the old project system. Yeah, it's hybridized. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Is there any other questions? All right. Pizza's here. Um, I'm here. I'm going to, I, I need to go and have a beer after this. So I, if uh, people want to join me, 
feel free or recommend where I can get a beer. <laughs> um, feel free to join me. I'm I'm here for one night. So if you want to talk about other stuff or just you know, we've always got jobs going at Microsoft. Okay, want to come and join us? Uh, we've got plenty of jobs. Thank you. Bro.